This is the Digital Health Voice. I'm your host, Stefan Bledzic, all the way from the lovely island of Mota. And the first update. Apple files patent for electronic health device and it seems that Apple is trying to push further into the medical device sector. And uh, from what it seems is that it's intended to monitor users' health information and also consists of a number of sensors that use light to assess the person's health data. From what I'm seeing up to now, this is going to be using the iPhone itself and using the capabilities of the iPhone to actually measure one's head. Interesting and looking forward. But most of all, I'm wondering how they're going to use the earpods actually rather than the iPhone. Another interesting update, all the way from the UK NHS. NHS Digital actually endorses every nurse and e-nurse campaign by RCN Nursing, the Royal College of Nursing. Extremely interesting here, focusing on the digital literacy aspect and actually encouraging nurses to actually go to the next, like move on with their career and take an extra level, that is the level of e-nurses and at the same time trying to bring forward the idea that actually nurses are be- the nurse's role, let's say, has changed and it's evolving. And this is very positive and I'm hoping that other countries take interest in this and make it happen as well. Once again, Apple featured in iOS 11, the upcoming release of the iOS operating system. In iOS 11, actually beta 6, it includes a new feature to actually quickly disable the Touch ID. Touch ID, as you might know, is the fingerprint sensor that you have on the more modern iPhones. And actually tapping the lock button five times to access the SOS screen or opening a medical ID will cause the iPhone or iPad to temporarily reject all Touch ID attempts, requiring a passcode to unlock. As you can see here, we have an Apple which is strictly and like inherently focused on, fo- on protecting users' privacy. Is this a shift in the way the world works right now? Who knows? Here we have Apple and I admire them for that, that they actually take the lead in this. And this is very interesting, you know, because you are actually protecting user data, which is sensitive and which belongs to the person. At least that is my thought, that is my opinion. And I'm wondering how this will keep on developing further. So I'm sure you've all heard of blockchain. Blockchain is very simply um, a a good name, let's say, a good catchy name for uh, automated distributed ledger. That means that you have, uh, how can I say it? It's a bit of a transparent way or a transparent and secure way of actually sharing data. And at the same time, each and every transaction which is done is secure and transparent. The interesting part about all of this is that Microsoft 
actually announced Coco, an open source framework that said will build and actually will enable users to build enterprise class blockchain networks. This news is actually from handkernews.com through inoners.info. And what's interesting here is that blockchain for healthcare is becoming real. And it's becoming real because the large enterprises such as Microsoft, which is very much present in healthcare, and I wonder the percentage actually of how many hospitals actually have Microsoft systems. I'm sure that in the UK it's quite high, as we saw from the recent cybersecurity attacks. But the thing is this, healthcare is now taking this seriously. And what's even more interesting is the fact that blockchain actually offers a possibility to actually improve the transparency of every healthcare transaction. So there's future there. Interesting news from Nuance Communications. I'm sure you've heard of Nuance before. And Nuance is very much focused on actually, at least in the past, in the recent past, was very much focused on actually like intelligent medical transcription services. But it seems that the company has developed further towards improved radiology reporting. So I can only imagine how through their systems they're able to, able to facilitate the radiology workflow. And in the US, more than nine health systems actually switched, such as Capital Health, Desert Radiology, LRG Healthcare and University of South Carolina, all important healthcare systems who actually switched to Nuance Advanced Radiology Portfolio, which features image exchange, workflow orchestration and advanced analytic capabilities that allow physicians to gain patient-specific insights and with a focus to work, working to eliminate inefficiencies that can be frustrating for physicians. I see, I'm not sure how it works exactly, but I'm seeing that that either system which is actually supplementing the existing packs, the picture archiving communication systems, which is the main software, which supports the radiology information systems, or if it is uh, actually replacing all together. I'm guessing that this is also working with the radiology, the RISs, uh, radiology information systems, and actually accelerating that. So it's interesting to see how that is improving workflow. The Digital Health Voice Blog of the Week. So this week, actually, I really enjoyed reading Richard Corbridge's blog on whose data is it anyway? Biden versus Falcon. As you know, Biden was the vice president of the United States, and he was actually very much focused on releasing the cancer moonshot. Whereas Faulkner is the CEO of Epic Medical Records in the US, uh, who have like a very high coverage. So Corbridge, as you might know, is the Chief Information Officer for the Health Service Executive in Ireland. Recently there was actually some news that he's actually moving to the UK, to the Leeds Trust, and he also set up eHealth Ireland, for whom he was the Chief Executive. And this quote um, uh, from Faulkner actually really struck a chord with me. Why do you want your medical records? There are a thousand pages of which you will understand ten. She allegedly told Biden. So we have to even sure that she actually told this. But what's really interesting is this, uh, that 
somewhat there's a, a clash in the school of thought, let's say, between the school of thought where the patient shouldn't know everything and the other school of thought where the patient should know everything and should have access to everything. I've got mixed opinions on this. This is mostly coming from my background education as a medical physician where we try to step by step actually gradually educate the patient about their health and actually kind of slowly breaking bad news if it happens to be bad news. But at the same time, uh, through my experience in digital health, I'm also empowering people as much as possible to actually be in control of their health data. So here I have a bit of a dilemma. My thought is that we need to work more on the user experience and here I agree with Richard who actually also resonated this opinion that the, the focus should be on actually facilitating the user experience to such an extent where the doctor wants to share the data and the patient wants to read the data. So that is focus number one. Now, if I actually have to give a verdict, I would say go for open data. Go for open data and allow the patient to be in control of his data and allow him to be and if you empower patients to such an extent then they're even more willing to share this data anonymized of course for research so the more power you give to the patient the more possibilities you're giving for research at least that those are my thoughts this needs to be validated even further by research and even i have to do my homework in this regard but there is a power there and we need to talk more between each other, the vendors, the industry, the regulators and we need to talk more and more to understand and to maybe possibly get closer to a consensus. to follow up so I'm a bit bit a little bit biased on this one but I've actually read a very interesting blog by a colleague of mine and uh, I'm really interested actually in her startup and uh, her startup is actually called LiveBit and their value proposition is that they're connecting and delivering the operating systems on genomics and what's really interesting for me is I've actually nev I never ventured into the expansive field of genomic data analysis. And I can see that here there is a value proposition and there is something that needs to be done. And when you're considering that when you, con when you have genomic data, we have such a big, 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 big data set, we need to offer value propositions and we need to offer software and services which actually support handling all this data and uh, I suggest you that you actually follow them they're available on lifebit-biotech.com so lifebit-biotech.com lifebit-biotech.com and the CEO to watch here is Maria Schatzu 
I've actually met my Barcelona through a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and I should really comment her and wish her luck. So, fortunately or unfortunately, I like to be critical. And uh, a recent JAMA study actually said that technology to self-monitor blood glucose levels is no better than traditional management of type 2 diabetes. Well, critically enough, when you consider all of this, I definitely see a value to actually having technology enabling this. Traditional management usually is focused, let's say, on paper workflows, whereas the technology to self-monitor blood glucose levels allows the possibility for the patient to actually provide an extra layer of care. My colleagues, my, my colleague diabetologists might disagree with me, but definitely I see a role for at least to have the technology which will allow for self-monitoring and at the same time it will also allow this workflow to be included in the existing electronic health record workflows. But good to know and if it's only the only way we can move forward with digital health is actually having a critical appraisal. So be critical and but be forward looking. So that was Digital Hand Voice episode number two. I am hoping to do this episode at least twice a week. This allows me to, to juggle with my other commitments at the same time. It also allows me to give you the most updated information. This is a bit a work in progress and I'm hoping that you will be patient with me as I get better and better with podcasting. This is my first podcast, so I ask you gracefully to provide me really good feedback, but taking into consideration that this is my first one. So I'm looking forward for your feedback. You can follow me on anchor.fm slash my name of course. And you can I'm very happy to get your feedback on Stefan at Buttigieg.co and ready to learn from you. If there was something which wasn't correctly said, please let me know so I can improve it. At the same time, I'm also willing to hear your feedback and get better and better. Thanks for listening and hoping you have a digital health week.